welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. Your number one source for theories, news and discussion. And interviews from the books and the films like me and Rupert Grint. I play Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter films. And now your host, Melissa, John and Sue. Welcome, welcome guys. It is Pottercast number 119. We're heading into old age here and I'm here again. I'm Melissa, I'm here with John and Sue and we are in for another week of awesome Harry Potter news, theories, discussion, analysis and anything else. Because we can, can, can. Possibly think of. Because you can, can, can. Well, as always, we take this moment to say a special hi from our friends at Borders. Today's podcast is brought to you by Borders. Haven't read Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows yet for some reason? Don't worry. Borders is here to help. Pick up your copy of this summer's smash hit soon. You won't be able to hide from those spoilers forever. You can count on Borders to have it in stock and ready to take home tonight, along with the audiobook version. Even if you've read the book, the Harry Potter fun doesn't have to end yet. Visit BordersMedia.com or click on the Borders banner at the top of the podcast page to find out more. Thank you, John. And now this week in Pottercast 119, we have the introduction of a very new, awesome segment that we probably should have started a few That's weeks ago. Right. <laughs> Since we're a Harry Potter podcast, this is Bit by Bit, where we discuss little bits of Deathly Hallows sequentially. So it might be a chapter, it might be a paragraph. This week, we have the whole first chapter of Deathly Hallows, because you really can't, can't split separate that, up, that out. Either, no. What if we did a no. whole bit by bit with like one sentence? It's possible. All was well. That's a great. Not my daughter, you bitch. I demand. I demand that that's our last. Oh God, that is going to be like 300 podcasts from now, isn't it? It's going to be awesome. We also have a very special guest. Our first fan guest, our friend Frack, has come to join us for Phoenix Files as well as the Bit by Bit. We don't have a cat and conundrums this week to make room for a new segment. And we also have another awesome five minutes with the girls from the essay project Scribulus at Scribulus.com. Yes. And with that, I think it's time that we heard from Sue. I see dead people in the water, Professor Dumbledore. Yes, we're getting in fury. The Army of the Dead has been confirmed by David Yates in a new interview that he did. Oh gosh! And this, uh, yes, I'm he scared. did, and he conf- I know. <laughs> and he, he called them the it. Army of the Dead, is how he rephrased it. And um, he said in Half Blood Prince that the that segment um, he describes it as epic cave scene oh, man. would be taking place. That's very exciting news, I thought. I have a feeling that that means that they're going to follow them all the way out the cave, hop on their own dead brooms, <laughs> and chase them back to Hogwarts. They're yeah. just going to latch on to that oh. Army of the Dead you know, thing so much. It's going to be crazy. They are skating. They're skating a really thin line. It could, this could turn into cheesy 80s thriller if they don't do it right. <laughs> dun, dun. You know? <laughs> Yellow eyes, running into a house. Yeah, it, you know, it could, but then again, it, you could also could see it that be, scene being very intense. When I read that, I was like, that was such a gripping scene, the way it was written. And if they did it, it could be just really powerful, you know? Uh, although... Dan Radcliffe also gave an interview when he talked about him being in a boat with Michael Gambon and how they're looking forward to that. So, totally. They always have Mr. Gambon in that scene. I don't know. <laughs> no, we get powerful Dumbledore in that scene. It'll be good. Oh, he's got a kick hold- with all the fire and everything and the, the yeah. whips of fire. It'll be awesome. You know, let's just hope he does. He drinks from the from the thing. I hope they keep it, you know, that way. 
But in the same interview, David Yates also says that Mr. Cloves has turned in what he calls, quote, a terrific and fun draft that will lend to a very character-driven film. Interesting. Let's hope. I don't know. I, I don't know. Why don't you know, Sue? <laughs> well, you know, there are moments of comedy. We've heard Jim Broadbent describe the comedy and Dan Ratcliffe talk about the comedy. And there are lots of great deal of comedy in this. But I, I don't, I mean, the last third of the film is not what I would describe as fun, you know? And I just, I worry. Mm. I don't know. I'm not. Uh, <sighs> eh. I don't know. I think it's a little early. Yeah, I suppose it's true because he had Mr. Yates goes on talks about the unrequited feelings between Harry and Ginny, which is good. Yeah, great. He says, "Hey, no unrequited." There's a point where it gets quite requited, and I want to make sure that's in there. Yes, yes, thank you, Melissa. (laughs) (laughs) Requited check. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. We've got to have that in there. Yeah. And then he also says that uh, Ron and Hermione, the relationship, he described it as, quote, delightful and funny and tender and true, end quote. So that's good. I mean, we're going to have one one, but then there's going to be, you know. Yeah. What about that know. relationship there with our new Lavender here? Well, who has yet to be announced? Has she been announced yet? We get a picture of this girl yet? Nope. No. Nothing. Come on, guys. You're slacking. Nothing. You're already filming this. I know. Yeah. I had predicted September, but now it looks like it's going to happen in October. Crazy. Oh, the announcement, you mean? Yeah. 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 Slughorn came in September, but still no Maybe lavender. They're, they're probably no just spacing them out, so there's equal excitement for everybody. You know, what I'm most excited about is the Gaunts. I know that sounds goofy, but I hope they have that whole sequence in there, you know? Which which parts of the Gaunts? Mm. You know, when he goes back, the, the memory the of uh, well, yeah. Voldemort's family and all that. Mm, yeah, know. that was really cool. Did they did they put that casting? I mean, did they say that they're going to no. cast that? Nothing. Or not? Nothing. 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 It's not. That makes me been, nervous because they didn't say yet. anything about that. Uh, how else could they do it? How else could we find mm-hmm. that stuff out? No. I mean, I'm sure it'll be quick like they did with the young the Marauders. I mean, we all anticipated that, and that was like you know like a blink of an eye in Order of the Phoenix. So I don't know. Oh, what else is coming on? Oh, you know, I really hate to bring attention to this, but this this is kind of kind of a timely thing. There was a character actor from Scotland, and um, he plays in a very popular series that airs in the UK called Brebus. And he said that uh, for some reason he gave this interview and he started this launch against, uh, I don't know, J.K. Rowling, I guess. But he says... Um, uh, if we're going to make a fuss about children reading books, do it with Philip Pullman's dark materials, not J.K. Rowling. I can't believe idiot educationalists are praising children for turning up at school and reading Harry Potter. That's which just, I just mm. found. <laughs> yeah. No, That's it's, it's you know, we have we have talked about Philip Pullman's books a lot here. Yes. And as much as I recommend them to every man, woman, and child on this earth, mm. I don't think it's a, it's a valid comparison. Kids aren't running out and telling each other, oh my gosh, did you read the latest Philip Pullman book? As wonderful books as they are, they're not. it's not like yeah. that. Right. It doesn't have the same sense of, of reachable, of identity, of, of reachable adventure. And if, if, if the Philip Pullman books are, are, are better by this guy's estimation, then that's all great, but it's not going to have the same effect. So, you know, it's, it's not, that's not what's getting kids reading. Harry Potter is what's getting kids reading. And maybe because they read Harry Potter, they will read Philip Pullman. So just shut up, guy. Just shut up. 
Well, I was about to, anyway, because of Harry Potter. I, everybody keeps saying, hey, these cool books, dark materials, this and that. I'm like, all right, I'll find the materials right. and see how dark they are, whatever. I'll find it, but... You got them? You're going to read them, John? Uh, someone said that they're going to give it to me, yeah, so I haven't started it yet. You you're, you, you just do better. <laughs> That's what their people are saying. Okay. And if I hadn't read Harry Potter, I'd be like, heck, whatever. I got a lot of TV to catch up on, but fine. I'll read another book. So good. Well, I mean, the, the point is that they're getting children to read, or not just children, adults, and getting people. And you could talk and be as, you know, oh, it's, you say, oh, it's pedestrian or lowbrow. You can say whatever derogatory thing about it. People are reading. And I think that's an encouraging thing. And I think he's missing the bigger picture. And it's just, is beyond anything. And I didn't understand that attack. See, you know? I talked about this briefly with Laura Mallory. So Laura Mallory is this woman who, as most of you know, she has been trying to get the books banned in Georgia, and she's been trying to take them off her shelves. I went down to Georgia, Melissa went down to Georgia, (laughs) to interview her for a book I'm writing about the Harry Potter fandom, which will be out next November. Uh, And we had a long two-hour chat about everything that's gone on. She's sort of become the the, the face for censorship of Harry Potter in, in the world. And it's especially poignant this week because this week is... Book, banned Book Week uh, in here in the United States. This is a celebration of all books banned and a fight against censorship, the continuing uh, bringing of light to the fight against censorship uh, sponsored by the American Library Association, which encourages people to read banned books and discourages people from banning books, but is are also the, the entity that often deals with the challenges that get made gets made against books. So if you want to find out more about Banned Books Week, please head over to ALA.org. Find out how you can take part. You can put up an image on your website or you can donate banned books to libraries or you can, you know, even just putting up a sticker that says, I read banned books. As J.K. Rowling says on her site, every burned book enlightens the world. And we are recording this before these stats come out, but no doubt the Harry Potter books are on the top of this this year's most banned books, if not number one, I can't imagine they wouldn't be number one, number two or number three. But, um, you know, what happens is that a parent makes a claim and that claim gets sent to the school. And when the school needs help, they go, you know, trying to keep this book on their shelf. They go to the American Library Association, who tries to help them by giving them materials and support um, to try and keep our school's libraries full of the books that you know, just censorship, just censorship free. You don't want somebody telling you what to read, do you? Not generally. So, except for okay. his dark materials, you should go read that right now. The part that we're going to hear from Laura Mallory is actually something that I might turn into a news item and put on, on Leaky, because it's relevant now and isn't so much of a reveal that I'd be taking something away from the book. Mm-hmm. We, we talked a little bit about her plans and her appeals and what happens now. We don't mean to set her up as like this, this, this woman. <laughs> Here she comes. Yeah, exactly. Here's the face of the person trying to do this bad thing. She, yeah. but she is a very important figure in the fight to either ban or keep Harry Potter on shelves. She has made headlines like you can't believe all over the country, perhaps even all over the world uh, with her effort to, to get these books taken off the Georgia library shelf. And she has been unsuccessful, but for some reason, her image and her personage have sparked some sort of fervor. And we had a long talk about her reasonings and about her efforts. And it is for the book that I'm writing about the Harry Potter phenomenon, which will be out next November. And let's, let's hear it in a couple of minutes on from Ms. Laura Mallory. I'm not sure if you're aware, but it is considered by very many to be a very, very Christian book. Harry essentially not even essentially he does, he literally dies to save everyone 
that he loved and is brought back because of love and then kills the evil guy. So basically, I mean, it's, 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 there is a very specific purgatory implying a very specific heaven and we do see the evil character in a very specific hell. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost Narnia-esque. It's so Christian, overtly. And it's all, and it's all fueled on love, 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 love. Harry loved everybody enough to die for them. So then he was granted another chance. He comes back and finally absolutely killed the devil. Do you, know, you, see, you see what I mean? And, um, Voldemort. Voldemort. What is your reaction to that? It's a good question. I was told that would probably happen. Um, a lot of people figured that she would have Harry killed and rise from the dead to make him Jesus-like. I think that only fuels the fire in this case. Light and darkness don't mix. And you've got so much darkness in these books. Everybody I've ever talked to admit the books are dark. There's no denying that. The word dark can mean many different things. Yeah. You know, well, I, I'll admit they're dark, but I don't think that they're dark in the same way that you think they're dark. Well, you know? I would, my reaction in one sentence would be, I'm not surprised. I just oh. wish people would know my heart. My heart is in the right place. I love kids. I love, I love them. And I, I think they're precious to God. And He loves them so much that He's willing to go to great lengths to get them the truth. If they read Harry Potter and they're not the least bit interested in the occult, then great. Great. But a lot of them are. Are you appealing again right now? No, no. It went, it went to the local school board, to the state school board, to Superior Court. And you can't go any further without a lawyer. No lawyer really wanted to take this case because um, it's just too controversial. The media slam, you know, the whole deal. Did you attempt? Did you go to, did you go to some lawyers? Yeah, I had I had a little bit of legal assistance, but I never had a lawyer who would know, actually represent me in the case. I think that the legal issue is like you were asking me before, you know, um, separation of church and state. In a First Amendment case, that would really need to be a federal issue. It would be a federal case, not a local thing. So... You know, I don't know if that'll ever happen or not. It's, you know, I don't have any plans at the moment. It's, it's, it's in God's hands. Yep. And that actually was Laura Mallory. That was not one of our mothers pretending to be Laura Mallory for a funny part. No, that was that was that was Laura Mallory. What do we got coming up now? Oh. I think it is time. What do you guys think it's time for? I think it's probably time for our new segment, Bit by Bit, immediately after we hear some of what you guys think about this week's Bit by Bit topic, which is Chapter 1 to Deathly Hallows. All right, let's go. This is Kimmy Blair, and I am here today to introduce Fan Thoughts, a new segment in Pottercast. Fan Thoughts is a segment where you will get to hear the thoughts of different fans about Deathly Hallows chapter by chapter. This week, a few of our members, Ashley, known as Chocolate is Not for Breakfast, Owen, known as Nimbus XL, Sarah, known as Stamps Gal, Libby, and Julie, known as Amina, are all going to share their thoughts on chapter one with us. 
Well, I was really excited about chapter one um, because I had guessed that it was going to be between Voldemort and Snape. I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if we finally got to see how Snape and Voldemort interact with each other? Because even though we've seen each of the characters separately, we never saw them together. So I was really, really excited when I found out. And so um, that was just... You know, that tickled me pink, just being able to hear um, how Snape and Voldemort would interact with each other. My feelings towards the Malfoys changed. Although I was already feeling slightly sympathetic to Draco after Half-Blood Prince, my sympathies extended to the rest of the Malfoy family by the end of this chapter. Being ridiculed and taunted in your own home, despite the fact that you've done nothing wrong, is not a nice experience, and this upset me slightly. They really came across as a family who were in too deep in the movement than they wanted to be. At first, I thought it was odd that we were introduced to Muggle Studies professor Charity Burbage in the first chapter, only to have her killed off right away. There is no emotional resonance in her death for us. But she was a champion of Muggles, and Voldemort and the Death Eaters hated them. And that was an important theme throughout this book. So her death brought that theme to our attention very early. My thoughts on the first chapter of Deathly Hallows you really don't like Snape towards the end of the Half-Blood Prince but when you hear him speaking to Voldemort and the other Death Eaters about the plan to you know, get Harry you just, you hate him that much more I think the favorite, my favorite part of uh, chapter one is when I first listened to it uh, I all I could think of was just how spooky it was, it was just suitably spooky and it just set the tone for the entire book. I remember thinking, wow, this is going to be one heck of a scary book. And we're back with our Deathly Hallows bit by bit segment where we take a closer look at a segment of the final installment of the Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. And this week, ooh, we got a good one. Dark Lord Ascending. I love this chapter. Well, we're going to do the whole chapter this week. Won't be the whole chapter every week. But this is very much a, a singular moment in this book. You really can't. Big yeah. We have a guest. Hi, guys. Oh, <laughs> he's a very anxious guest. <laughs> but <laughs> this, I need to. No, it's cool. This etiquette. this week's guest is a very good friend of Pottercast and a good friend to uh, Potter fans all around the world. His name is Frack, and he will be the first Hello. guest addition to Bit by Bit and Phoenix Files. You have probably seen Frack's work here and there all over Leaky. Yes. Um, if you're a Harry and the Potters fan and you've yes. seen their image of Wandycorn, <laughs> Frack is responsible for that image. Frack's an awesome illustrator yes. and a good friend, and we're very happy to have him with yeah. us. Well, first, firstly, but guess, even before the bit by bit, to, so we can figure out who our guest person of the week is, we asked them um, three important questions with three quick answers. Oh, nice. I surprised you, Frack. Your favorite character, your favorite book, and your favorite moment from the Harry Potter series. And that should explain to everybody who you are. Wow. Pretty much. <laughs> the three defining questions of your life. My favorite book is the easiest one to answer. I love book five. I love the character development. I think it's a great book. It's my favorite one so far. I'm still digesting the seventh one, so it might change. But right now, it's still the fifth. Mm-hmm. My favorite, favorite character is probably got to be Hermione. I love Hermione. Um, I'd marry her. She was a real person. <laughs> And then favorite moment. Okay, it's either when Hermione like sticks it to Rita Skeeter, or when Hermione kind of gets the best of umbrage in the forest, 
And just Hermione's relationship with Umbridge altogether was great because she kind of understood her and it was funny. Or when Dobby dies. Oh no! What's your so. favorite part? What's your favorite moment. <laughs> it's it's my favorite because it's so touching and so poignant. Oh. It's just it's not favorite like I'm glad he got it, but kind of like oh I'll always I'll always remember it. I was like <gasps> when it happened. So. Awesome, cool. I guess that's a memorable moment rather than a favorite. No, that's perfect. That's that's know. just what we wanted. And and Freck uh, is joining us from California, correct, Freck? Yeah, Southern California. Cool. What? what? Well, let's dive in then. Bit by bit. Let's start with our guest. Talk us through the first uh, few pages here and what happens. It's their way into the Malfoy Mansion. And don't they, I think they apparate outside the gates. Mm-hmm. And then the gates talk, which was awesome. <laughs> and then they saw the peacocks. I'm convinced now that that's what Lucy's Patronus would be. It'd be, it'd be peacock. Did it's you see that Patronus like waddling proudly up to the mentor and just sort of kicking it? And just, <laughs> it'll just fluff its feather out, like yeah. its tail. And then, like, this wall of, yeah. Kill you with its arm. <laughs> I'd love to see it well, with like, a cane, too. It would be awesome. Can you draw that? That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. It's not just a peacock. Yes, it's not it a bino peacock. It's a snotty peacock. It's a pure it white, fancy schmancy peacock. No. It's like, we're a classy peacock. We're pure blood peacock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only the best. Yes, exactly. Wow. The pure exactly blood peacock. Right. A little tweed vest. No. this was a cool moment i remember when we got the darn book and we were reading it on the way to the house we would read uh, the whole book at uh, i had to drive the darn car and uh, somebody was reading this out loud in the back seat but uh, it was Mm -hmm. exciting because what was the big question everybody was waiting to find out from half-blood prince is what's going on with snape and who do we hear from immediately is a scene with snape right And, and he's talking about you know, is what's the news, and is, is it is it is it good news? And Snape's like, it's the best news. So we're like, oh God, Snape! You know, he's bad. Maybe he's yeah. bad. But what were you guys' impressions uh, of of Snape during uh, during these first few pages here, during this first chapter? I thought it was proof he was good. For me, I had pretty much well assume that he was going to be good from the get-go like i was convinced like he's not evil he can't be evil his character would be too two-dimensional if he's evil so i wasn't nothing really shook it too much just yet <laughs> later in the book i was like oh crap but at first i was like he's just put on his show still so what do you think so in my That's opinion this was the best starting to one of her books she started because i had been so we had talked about for so long what was going to happen after and guessed about what was going to happen after he had done the deed and he had ran away and I had no idea how she was going to start it. I thought she just set the tone perfect, you know, with that frozen moonlit lane as she describes it. And then you hear his voice. I So I was surprised that he was like not hurt. I thought, well, maybe he's going to be, you know, being tortured or something was going on. And yet here he is cool, yeah. unruffled as ever. And I just was like, whoa, you know, there's Snape. Well- it's so disorienting because you do, you don't know exactly when it's happening. Right. Is it happening directly after book six? Are, are there have there been weeks in between? What did we miss? Yeah. What right. you know? And then of course there's like the big looming question of Snape. Yes. But then you it, it, it sets up that worry because even if he's acting, why does yeah. he say something like the best? Couldn't he just say good news or or yes I have news or he says yeah. the best. So yeah, that so it's true. like casting doubt. You know maybe he is bad. But no, there's that passive thing that he just kept going throughout that whole chapter. It was, yeah. It's extraordinary. I, I can't remember being so gripped by an opening chapter in a long time as this, this opening chapter. I just no. thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I can't wait to see this on the screen oh. because I really want to see the Malfoy Manor. Yeah. Like, in my head, it's so cool looking. I hope it's almost like 
nauseating elegance to it. Yeah. And it, it, she describes it freaking brilliantly. And I have my book in front of me. Let me just read the first real scene that we're introduced is when Snape and Gaxley. Gaxley is the first that we've heard from Gaxley, right? This is the first we've seen him. He's a new character in this book. Well, he isn't he the blonde mm-hmm. Death Eater from yeah. Book Five? Is that who they figured out he was? The, yeah. Okay. But uh, they they walked yeah. up and it said yeah. that the drawing room was full of silent people sitting at a long ornate table. The room's usual furniture had been pushed carelessly up against the walls. Illumination came from a roaring fire beneath the handsome marble mantelpiece surmounted by a gilded mirror. Snape and Yaxley lingered for a moment on the threshold. As their eyes grew accustomed to the lack of light, they were drawn upward to the strangest feature of the scene, an apparently unconscious human figure hanging upside down over the table, revolving slowly as if suspended by an invisible rope and reflected in the mirror in the bare, polished surface of the table below. None of the people seated underneath this singular sight were looking at it, except a pale young man sitting almost directly below it. He seemed unable to prevent himself from glancing upward every minute or so. So it's a creepy yeah. scene yeah. that we're looking at here. And I think the the usage of yeah. this pale young man, which we find out to be Draco, is like our eyes looking at it now. It's great that you see Draco's apprehension so soon. Yeah. It's just so creepy, but it's creepy and just a lack of knowing what the heck is going on here. And then the first voice you hear is Voldemort's. Yeah. Inside there. Yeah. And you don't, you, and you know, how she describes him, you know, and then you turn and like, here he is at his throne holding court. And then you're in your mind. So you're, you're hearing that. You just imagine this body slowly all the while turning above. I just, oh, just a morbid chandelier. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, exactly. Just, right. Ooh, a mor- that's great. Way ooh, of putting it, in a morbid chandelier. That's creepy. It's just disgusting. It's like you ask him to like you expect okay. you sort of expect them to ask him what he thinks of their deck of his decorating skills. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just disgusting, and it's so indicative of his casual cruelty. And as soon as were you guys the same? As soon as you saw as soon as you saw the word pale, did, were you like, oh, there is yeah. Draco, yeah, hanging out yeah. underneath that woman. I love how you can Draco. He's yeah. just it's great. It shows his apprehension that kind of fluctuates throughout the whole story. He can't even like mm-hmm. look at her long. He just kind of flickers up and looks down. You know, if he was, this was Draco like four years ago when he's all like little Mr. Wannabe death eater, you know, he'd be like all cocky about like, yeah, hey, we got it. You know, got a lady trapped, whatever. But, you know, I, th- I think she did a really good job too. in like setting the tension that there's that, un- that, that way of, you know, like you said, the uncertainty you didn't like you described Draco, you didn't know. And yet you had to know that these people were feeling this kind of like, because there's a body hanging above their heads, you know? Yeah. And it could be him. And then the next page, though, John, we hear about your your boy, <laughs> Talish. <laughs> Talish makes his first of many appearances. Talish at least was by everywhere in this book. In this book. <laughs> Let's just but, remind everybody what's happening in this scene. Okay. They're, they're yeah. discussing how to get Harry Potter, how to get on Harry Potter. So the first thing we're finding out is that now it is complete open war. And pretty much the second Harry Potter emerges from his cocoon of protective spells, he's going to be grabbed. So now we know exactly at what, not like book six where they were in this weird holding pattern, you know, he was still sort of on the sly, kind of, it wasn't so much that Harry couldn't move now with Dumbledore gone. That's it. It's on. You know? Yeah. Well, I thought two things were particularly interesting here, reading it the second time through. Um, 
was uh, a how Yaxley, the character of Yaxley, seems to be in a similar role for Voldemort as Snape. I mean, they came together. They both came with information. Like they're that's sort of their their purpose really is gathering information, and it's almost like they're competing against each other here for Voldemort's favor and for usefulness. And uh, and it's I was it was really interesting dialogue to read this Snape Voldemort Yaxley conversation because it was like Snape is is like amused and sitting here trying to watch Yaxley, you know, one up Snape and Snape's like he knows he's got the better information and all along no one. The other side, the Snape on top of it. It's so interesting. What do you think Snape meant when he said the source that we discussed? He thought it was Mendungus? Like, wh- who, did, who did Voldemort think that Snape was speaking to? Hmm. I think I think it was Dung. I think that I think I think you're right, Melissa. Well, that would make sense because we don't we we can't know that it was Dung at that point yet, right. or else that whole thing doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but if it's as easy as confunding somebody to get that information, how come none of these other idiot Death Eaters have thought to confund <laughs> Dung and get? Yeah. yeah, you know. Well, do they all know that Dung is with the Order? Order member? Would Snape be the only one that would know something like that? Mm, well, yeah, but I mean, I think that I think it's the battle lines are pretty. I mean, I hate to say clearly established, but I think that if we're in a sense of open warfare at this point. That I mean, it's going to be pretty clear that I mean that Dung probably. I mean, we all know that he's a no good, dirt and rotty thief, but um, it was probably well known that he was clung around Dumbledore to, for protection. So. That's true. Well, you know? Yeah, that is true. Well, and the, the other thing I thought was interesting here was that that they sort of established some limitations on the Death Eaters yeah. and Voldemort's ability, yeah. which I thought was important because it, it made them feel more real as characters and as an organization where they can't just jump in and take care of whatever they want that 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 Dumbledore's protection and all that still trumped their abilities and that they were even nervous about the ministry's abilities to protect them they're like this is our chance because once they get to the other protections we won't be able to touch them so it we, we know that they're, they're dangerous and we know that they're a big threat but it's interesting to know that they're not completely all-powerful that there is something still somewhat equal opposing them. And uh, it was real interesting to to have that made, you know, made clear right up front. Oh, well, you know what I would like to talk about? Just one, one quick thing is we're, we're in this beautiful, opulent manner. This beautiful, we've seen flamboyant peacocks. And then we see the, our first appearance of Lucius Malfoy, who is less than flamboyant at this point. He's described as his skin appeared yellowish and waxy, and his eyes were sunken and shadowed. I just thought that was quite a dichotomy. I could have sworn he <laughs> had a soul wow. I've said that before, but I swear to God, I could have sworn he yeah. got attacked at Azkaban, and he was just a shell of a person, and that's what he looked like. We didn't see anybody get their soul sucked out. The whole series. We didn't see anybody in the whole series to get their soul sucked oh, out. How disappointing. Well, we saw old Barty Crouch did, but... We don't see him after yeah. it happens, you know? Yeah. <laughs> How disappointing. It almost happened to Harry about 16 times in this book. <laughs> no. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It's like, oh, well, Dementor, Duck. Oh, Dementor, Duck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember they went Dementors. Well, it's because they didn't want to accidentally suck out the Horcrux. Yeah. You know? Like, that's why. I thought that, that was the purpose of the Dementors. That, me too. That's, oh. that's the only literary purpose yeah. they can have in the story, right? Yeah. Totally. True. <laughs> well, other than, other than the Dementors... We introduced to a couple new characters now, uh, the Thickney's guy, 
who who's, who who was he at at the ministry? Mm-hmm. What was his position? Minister. He wasn't the. He wasn't the. Oh, he's the right. He's well, the, not yeah. right. He's the beginning one that the scripture got yeah later on. Yeah, but he's the the head of the um, yeah yeah magical because law enforcement. He was imperious or confounded. Imperious. And I'm I'm the, the whole concept of imperious thing is real interesting because if they if you imperious somebody can the connection continue from like first of all from far away you don't have to keep it up all the time so like the person who said he imperious him can just at any time think you know thickness do my washing and the guy would show up and do his laundry like I think it would have you to know? be like range at some point it'd be like. You're, you imperious somebody and like, I imperious you, you need to act like yourself while I'm away. And then when you come back, you can tell them to do something else or something like that. How close would a Death Eater get, be able to get to that, to that guy for? I have no idea. To be of use. Because remember, when know? Harry mm-hmm. did it, that's, that's the first time question. we actually felt how it was to do it. Like, Harry yeah. felt that he was a part of that person. So to do it to like multiple people and all from different distances, I would think it would have to be something that would be, you have to be in, a limited adjacency to the the, the person imperious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like a Mary, like a, it's like a puppet. So you need to be close enough to pull the strings. How I always thought, saw it. I just don't, I just don't know how this, 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 this death eater who, who got close enough can do it in all the ways they need him to do it. Always be close enough to the guy because you, if you have to renew the spell, I don't think you have to renew the spell then, right? You always connect. It's like you're always connected and it like, and it lies dormant and That's, then you yeah. have to renew it. Like a little yeah, bit. or you just have to kind of get back on the bike type of thing. <laughs> get back on the bike. Gotta well, go I don't understand. Do some crimes. <laughs> I don't like a confundus charm. How do they differ? Like a confundus charm is what you just. I thought confundus was just messing up with their memory, like you hypnotize yeah. them. I thought confundus was like the Jedi mind tricks. Yeah. That's what it seems. Okay. like. It's like that's like, this that's is a great way of putting it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Hmm. Because it's not as unforgivable. Because Hermione confunded her parents or modified the memory. She modified the memories. Then I don't get when yeah. she's. I know this is off topic, but when she's in the the cafe and she's like, "I don't never done it, but I I know the theory," and she, she did it. Yeah. yeah. She well, Joe was asked them? that. I think. I think Joe was asked that, and yeah. she said it was a different. It's a different thing. It's like modifying memory and doing obliviate is different. Oh. Wiping yeah. a memory. I see. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Because change, but I would think changing it would be harder because you have to keep it somewhat intact. Right. And yeah, this is like a whole can of conundrum on memory modification. Sorry. Okay. Well, yeah, well, the last thing we should talk about in this chapter is that we have Charity Burbage, who doesn't really serve anything else in the story except to demonstrate the Nazi esque uh, 1940s kind of and martyrdom censorship of- thing that's happening with Holdemar's power. She wrote an article. Uh, about uh, you know the equality for you know the uh, half bloods pure or mud bloods muggle born people etc. And they said screw you we're knocking you out and they did it for fun they fed the darn snake yeah oh crazy they fed her to the snake I went to a lecture the other day and the guy he was talking um, about Harry Potter and he said that he made an interesting parallel because charity means love. And in the beginning of the book, Voldemort destroyed love. But at the end of the book, love is what destroyed Voldemort. So I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> That's very cool. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I thought it was. I was exactly like, exactly hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that too because of her name. 
know, charity and hope and care about others. And, you know, I mean, so she was a perfect name for the yeah. teacher who taught about muggles and embracing it. Yet here yeah. he was preaching about intolerance be a Hufflepuff. And, and hatred. And she's a total Hufflepuff. Yeah, she's a total Hufflepuff. Yes, I bet she was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Pretty Gryffindor of her to write that article. When it, Hufflepuffs are bold as well, you know. There's yeah. some different. But women. hey, all Hufflepuffs aren't yeah. our wimps. But yeah. What do you What do you think, though? I mean, about her actual death, the fact that she was twirling about, she was alive, and she's pleading with Snape. Yeah. Oh, it just shows what how, what Snape had to go through, so, and what like. Yeah just how much harder his job was looking a colleague in the eye and like without giving her any hope or anything, just like, mm, sorry, you're done. I'm evil. It's just amazing how much stuff she threw into this first chapter, how much, you know, character development and explanation yeah. and everything else. I mean, the moments with the Snape knowing after reading this book once going back and getting into his head and what he must've mm-hmm. been thinking throughout all this. It's, amazing yeah that'd be really cool to like have snape's commentary on the books i was really scared right yeah, here like a really no, awesome. killing her. that's a really crappy snape tonight's role of snape will be played by elvis <laughs> okay, there um, well there's one other thing i wanted i wanted to well, because charity really does sort of represent a Lily Potter to him. Somebody muggle-born, somebody who would defend muggle-born, somebody yeah. who knew how to knew her life would be in danger but a muggle-born. So you can imagine what it was like looking up at this person who, in, in a different sequence of events, might have been Lily. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's true. Awful. I still want to know Lily and James' jobs, but whatever. I don't, do, you, <laughs> do you think that Draco actually had that class? Probably. probably muggle? No, I don't Oh, no, no, no. You muggle have to choose studies? it. No, he wouldn't he take right. one of the studies. But yet, they, there was a, a distinct mention of him repeatedly looking up at her, just being... Well, sure. Well, you think we see you know, Draco... It's just the reality being a Death Eater, kind of settling even more. Like, yeah. he had this yeah. ephemeral, like, romantic view of what a Death Eater is. Like, yeah, we're prestigious, yeah. we're powerful, we don't care. But actually seeing what they do and what they have to... I, I think it's just kind of him, like, just digesting what how evil they really are. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, because yeah, trying yeah. to kill Dumbledore wasn't a big enough deal. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't do a very good job. At <laughs> no, he really did not. Okay. Well, dang, guys, that was pretty. So much in this chapter. That was a yeah. Big Next time we get to talk about the Seven Potters and the the <sighs> ooh, oh gosh, the Hedwig who's not dead. Well, no. probably Hedwig. Probably, we'll, probably we'll have to get through the Dursleys and stuff first. Oh my God, the Dursleys! Oh, right. All right, Dursleys. well, let's deal with the Dursleys next week. Yeah, Dursleys will be next week. And no, we didn't forget that uh, Dumbledore and Bellatrix and the Malfoys all get made fun of from Voldemort. No, we didn't. Which was we just... hilarious. I mean, it, is, it does serve a brilliant point because it shows that, <laughs> right. you know, Bellatrix may be like one of his closest and may even flirt with Voldemort. <laughs> Voldemort doesn't care. Voldemort will make fun of her right to her face. Voldemort right. doesn't love anybody. Yeah. Voldemort's and she doesn't. He'll tease her. He doesn't care. All right, well, how about we go talk about the movie now, and Frack will be with us for that as well. Yeah. We have had two changes in staffing this year. We are very pleased to welcome back Professor Grubbly Plank, who will be taking care of magical creatures lessons. We are also delighted to introduce... 
Professor Umbridge, our new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Welcome back, everybody. This is guest host of the week, Frack. We are talking about the Phoenix Files with the trio. Hello. Hey, Frack. Here we are. Hey, guys. Good work. Welcome nice back. work, Frack. <laughs> Missed you. It's good work. Okay. Well, yeah. Phoenix <clears throat> Files. Did you get favorite, that? Uh, <clears throat> favorite segment <clears throat> on the show What's about the hem? Oh, <clears throat> Sue's being all. So, what are we, Sue? What are we talking <clears throat> about this week, Frack? <clears throat> oh. Her pinkness, her <clears throat> badness, her badness, and the cat lady <clears throat> herself. The cat lady. Umbridge. Now, that would be a whole the different... Oh, I guess so. I guess so. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the little bro- brooch. I want that kitten brooch. I, I sort of I'd always wished it was animated. Uh, I want... Right? Yeah. Uh, me too. Yeah. I wanted that brooch to be the one the that... Ass. You know the cat that left? Yes. When they went into the fireplace to... to Health, yeah, she's I wanted that cat. The cat she's to be on a brooch. Spying? Like, he told yeah. her. It was. Yeah. Oh, it was snobby cat. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that in the book? No, but no. she does know that. They put secrecy right. dissenting did it, spells. Didn't on it her, remind on you of the, the cat from Austin yeah. Powers movies? I did. Well, we are not. Mister Bigglesworth. They should have had a little cameo. Yeah. That's where he went before she was frozen. That's where he went after the the, the second movie. Mini me out, yeah. you know, outdid him. So he's like, screw yeah, this. Exactly. I'm gonna find another. He fired his agent. His yeah. career went downhill, and he's yeah. ended up on a plane. Exactly right. No, Aww. threw all of his hair back. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. <laughs> wrong, wrong series of movies. Sorry, <laughs> the crest. Umbridge would be awesome with a Mr. Bigglesworth or Wigglesworth, whatever it is. Could you imagine her with that freaky, skinless, or hairless cat in her in her arms the whole time? That's a gross oh, cat. It's not cute enough for her. It, she knit it like a little cat. tweed fur <laughs> vest with a cat brooch on it. <laughs> 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 Okay, okay, here we go. Phoenix Files, we are talking about when we get introduced to Umbridge at the mm-hmm. Great Hall Feast. Everybody's sitting, um, Dumbledore's doing his our thing. Our reactions and the kids' reactions. The kids' reactions are just classic. The kids meeting the, ho- yeah. the whole hall. Great. Well, didn't we see Umbridge, or I mean Trelawney this time yeah. too, right? She's, they show her, and she's... She's eating. Right, and I thought that was a little strange, but... Well, I am, we know that that's going to be a deleted scene, of course. Right, now, but the whole four minutes of her eating, I guess. I guess. Yeah, and it's so random. But you have to think that if you're David Yates, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm I've got, to that. I've got Emma Thompson here. Let's just that do must something. Must be hilarious, you know? Well, it's like us. Like when we include random, random ass things into the show, where uh, like they don't really uh, on topic to anything, <laughs> not conducive to the conversation, but they're hilarious, and so we have to keep them in. Right. <laughs> because, <laughs> because yeah. Thank you. You can't, can't, can't. Perfect, right. perfect timing, Frank. That was awesome. Why do we do it? Because you can't, can't, can't. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. so awesome on that scene, though. I mean, there's Dumbledore. It was pretty good in the book. I mean, just it, that kind of part matched. And then there was Dumbledore doing his little thing. And then you see her, you know, and she puts her little hands down on this. Yeah. She goes, you know, and she gets that smile. And, and, and then she. Oh, simpering. Did you not just get the chills? Yeah. She started speaking at the end, and she just get that. <laughs> That little laugh, oh, oh, like like nails, like on the chalkboard, just like oh, oh my goodness, oh god, it's that typical that 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 official or teacher who's saying things without 
using like the empirical evidence yeah. in front of them. Like, I'm so glad to see your happy faces smiling up at me, and you see a shot of the kids, and they're all yeah. look like they want to <laughs> kill her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know? blank, like blank. What? Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness! I just I could not get yeah. over that. And was didn't they show like the Weasley or the Fred and George out there or somebody? Somebody did, there was a good. They have a line. They have a line. Something about like uh, like so I'm, that's I'm, likely. I'm sure, I'm we'll, sure yeah. we'll all be the best of friends. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Fred dies. No. Yeah. Oh, John. Oh, not yet. Sorry, Fred. Oh. Way to <laughs> bum out everybody. Here we have no, this light, funny thing, and then there you go. Party <laughs> pooper John. Way to go. I suck. Kill the moon. Uh, 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 the, the <laughs> nice uh, no, Edwig's first. Um, Edwig flies in and coughs on camera and dies. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sick. Did do we see Grubbly Plank? Was your buddy Grubbly Plank in there? Plank is up there. Plank gets an introduction. With a monocle. Yeah. He's there and they're like, oh, thanks, Grubbly Plank, stepping in for magical creatures. And everybody claps. Yeah. That was brilliant. Yeah. But do you guys think it came across as effective that uh, no one ever inter- interrupts Dumbledore? And yet this woman gets up because like, I think Joe makes a point to really narrate that out. Like everybody looks stunned and McGonagall's... Lips were yeah. pierced into her mouth and everything else like they always are. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Frank? I think they did a good job because yeah. Dumbledore is kind of like, uh, <laughs> like WTF, yeah. what's going on? You know? <laughs> I, I thought that they did a good job kind of establishing I mean, it's just, just her delivery and everything. And then Hermione does kind of say something, right, about the ministries taking over or like Ron. Who's oh, like, yeah, oh, what does that mean or something stupid, but. It was, and it was pretty close to what she says in the book too. It yeah. was, you know, progress for the sake of yeah. progress will oh, right. will not be encouraged. It must be prohibited to, uh, you know, prune practices, prune which practices. not be happening or whatever. Old peas. Yeah, and uh, I forget what the other one was, but yeah, pretty much she's interfering, and no one seems to get it but Hermione. Yeah. Which of course. I mean, come on, guys, how dim are you? <laughs> you should have. I had at least some kind of idea what, what she was talking about. But it's it's odd that Dumbledore's just kind of like, okay, whatever. <laughs> he claps and, like, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> well, he does call it illuminating. Yeah. Which, that is true. You know. Yeah. yeah, kind of like illuminating. illuminating Frank, I want to ask you this. I mean, because we've all, we've talked, uh, three of us obviously have talked about the movie a lot, but what do you think? I mean, do you like the way the setting is? Do you like the way that they've cast it? Does it kind of match your head and your vision inside of what you thought the Hogwarts would look like? The movie in general? Or no, just like like say that scene in the Great Hall. I mean, I'm always, I always look forward oh, yeah. to them going into the Great Hall, you know? Yeah, like the Great Hall was great. Umbridge, I think she was spot on. She wasn't as like ugly as the book said, but no, yeah. it's... You know, but that's irrelevant to me because the character was there. You know, the, the appearances, aesthetics is secondary as long as the character's there, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I love that scene. The only scenes, like in the movie, I didn't. I love the whole movie except for I don't like Moody. I don't like the actor, but that's just me being stupid. And I didn't like um, Grimald Place's exterior. Interior was perfect. Exterior was perfect. Yeah. But everything else of that movie was spot on. <laughs> and that scene was brilliant. I love all the students. I think that would have been too distracting if she was, you know, super, super ugly. Yeah, like because she, yeah. she had the the gaudy outfits, she had the you know yeah. pink, all that stuff. You you got the vibe that she was like, like you know, like I do not want to sit down and have tea with totally, her, especially with her eighteen scoops of yeah. sugar. <laughs> all this sugar, yeah. this sugar, 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 stir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Would you yeah. like some tea with your sugar? Yeah, seriously. I don't know. That's pretty much how I drink my yeah. tea out there. When I was, when we were out there staying with the, your friends, Melissa, in London. Tea every other hour or so, but I have to put sugar in it, or it's just yeah. like you know, messed up milk. Otherwise, they do no, not tea. drink How tea t- every hour or so. Well, <laughs> All of England's going to be emailing you, John. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, do they really drink that I also, you do put milk in it, right? There's a cream milk. Well, same thing. I forget which one that Matt Lewis uh, no. uh, abolished us on. Oh. Oh yeah, he did give us a yeah. no cream. Uh, we didn't have cream. cream he was very tea. angry. That's why he's not in the opening anymore. I think something like that. Oh, we 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 yeah, did see Neville like in the anyway. scene too, didn't we? When his was he, yeah, we saw him last in the last scene when he was in the, yep. the carriage with uh, Luna. What what do you think about his new hairstyle there? For oh God, <laughs> we felt I that. Like we? I think it's like he's trying to be cool, but he's just not quite there yet. Yeah. So it reminds me of me when I was in high school. Yeah. You should have seen my hair. I would forget to comb the back of my head because I didn't uh. see it in the mirror. So I wasn't the coolest kid there. No. <laughs> so I, I have a soft spot for now. No, it's just it's, it's all bringing him down, down, down so that in book seven he's the ultimate badass. He's yeah. just yeah. He's the Neville. The Neville. The Neville. The Neville. That's right. It's like that. The Neville. Le Neville. The Neville. The Neville. Umbridge, the definitive answer on her. Umbridge she was is awesome. awesome and I guess. Awesome, awesome bad. In LA, I see her in line at Pink's because she likes everything pink. So she gets her hot dogs at Pink's. She works there after after she got fired from yeah, she, that's defense she job. Yeah. yeah she, well, she's definitely the one that came up with the Harry Potter dog there. The Harry Potter dog there was really And we had so many better ideas for that. I know. We can do Harry a different Potter house mustard and ketchup in stripes. What? Gryffindor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dolores Umbridge yeah. hot dog vendor. I love <laughs> yes. that image. I love it. <laughs> it's awesome. I think that that should be her punishment that she gets she gets tried and imprisoned after book seven. So I think that she should have to go with no work magic. at Pink's. No magic. <laughs> she likes Pink's. With no magic. <laughs> with what? With all those muggles. No magic. All those muggles around every day. Oh, food. dear. <laughs> yes. Awesome. I'm hungry. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I knew that would happen. <laughs> well, what's, what's on the Phoenix Files tab for next week, guys? What comes next? Mm. What happens right after this Harry scene? and uh, up, I guess, off-sweeler people up to the Gryffindor common room, and we start to mm. see how his friends and housemates are starting to give him crap already about the newspapers from the summer previous and how people oh, don't right. believe him about Voldemort and how a certain red-headed friend sticks up for him. That was awesome. And then gets his face ripped off, back up in the bedroom, yeah. in an unfun way. Okay. So. And then I have to just say that the newspapers throughout the movie, a graphic designer speaking, I loved it. It was they were brilliant. Oh yeah. Typography and all, it was just that made the movie for me. I was like, huh. oh, one of one newspapers. That made it, but like, <laughs> I really loved it, and I loved yeah. how they did the, this title sequence that way. It was just. Yeah, I've sorry. been trying to. I've been trying to copy that. Myself, it, but it's great. I'm not as good as typography. I'm not good at the typography like yeah. that. You have such freedom because you can just go in any direction in that in that universe. So it was like, ah. Yeah. So I had to expound on that just because I'm a nerd and I like fonts. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at all of them. Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> look at all of them. All right. Well, I guess we have to thank Mr. Frack. Right, thank you did for an awesome job. Me. Yay. 
And um, if you're uh, any of you guys out there interested in doing what Frack just did here for us this week, you know how to find us by now, hopefully. Podcast.com. And uh, more details at the end of the show how to do that. It's pretty awesome. Right, well, thank you, Frack. Thanks, Frack. We'll Bye. see you soon. Thank you, guys. I really had a blast. Welcome to Scooby Five, the five-minute podcast of the Leaky Cauldron's premier, if invisible, essay project. I'm Erin or Calthios. And I'm Laura or Music House. You know, Erin, it does feel like we, Scribulous, are hiding under a giant invisibility cloak. Yeah, I totally see what you're saying, Laura. We have the makings of a new website now and are getting things together for a new issue coming very soon. But no one can see us yet, can they? No, but we really are still here. Well, we do have a few things to talk about today. Like, for example, we have picked the call topics for the next few months. That's right, and we are very excited about about them. The October issue will still be the previously posted Deathly Hallows reviews, as well as other things, and is coming soon. Yes, this coming issue is likely to be smaller than normal, so we really need all of you listeners to get your essays together and send them to scribulous at the-leaky-cauldron.org. My Slytherin side has to speak out here, Erin. Scribulous isn't just any online journal. We have high standards for acceptance. We only take the best, most power-hungry, and motivated essays. <laughs> We'd like to remind you that if you have your essay beta read by a friend, it will likely be better received by our staff. Or perhaps you should beta and gamma read your essay yourself and then have a friend Delta read it. <laughs> that too. As many of you know, we post call topics for each month. You may submit on any Harry Potter-related topic at any time, but the call topics are to get the creative juices flowing. For example, did you feel as though in Deathly Hallows some of the characters appeared differently than they had before? Yeah. Lupin, the deadbeat dad. Neville, the snake slayer. Molly, not my daughter, you bitch. (laughs) Percy, one joke is a start. Harry doubting his faith, and Snape, you could insert anything you wish here. Yeah, there are views coming in that range from Return of the Half-Blood King to Severus Lecter, even Severus (laughs) Rasputin, maybe just Dr. Evil, perhaps. Just when we think we've heard it all, someone comes up with another angle on that guy. (laughs) But wait, Aaron, you interrupted before I could get into Draco Malfoy. I'd love to do him myself. Now, Laura, I know you'd like to do Draco, but this is about (laughs) scribulous essays, not your love life. Well, he's just so handsome. But I meant to point out that the whole Malfoy family went through a transformation in Deathly Hallows. Yeah, they did. So, wow, there are so many characters to choose from for our November call. Changing concepts of characters, and we'll need that by October 15th to get it in our November issue. Oh, but wait, Laura, I just realized that you didn't mention the most significant and controversial change we saw in Deathly Hallows. I didn't? No, you forgot Albus, Percival, Wolfric, Brian, Dumbledore. Well, that's our December call. Send essays on him in by November 1st. We already have one or two or even three in the works, don't we, Erin? Yeah, we do. Dumbledore totally blew my mind in Deathly Hallows. I have three essays of him um, of my own brewing on him. <laughs> well, you go for it then. But wait, don't weigh yourself out or you'll have to take a whole month of December off and we need you here on staff. 
Well, thanks for saying that, Laura, but actually we are taking December off, so Woo! it works out. And the rest of you out there will have Christmas break to write your essays due January 2nd on the mechanics and meaning of magic. Oh, now that's a topic I am totally excited about. There must be some science behind transfiguring one object into another, right? And we learned a lot about wand lore from Deathly Hallows, but there's no, there's so much more to explore there. Oh, me too. And that will bring us through to our March issue, due February 1st. Our call topic th um, that month is alchemy, mythology, folklore, and symbolism. That covers a broad spectrum of deep issues. I hope some of those obscurest folk, uh, forum folks, are just itching to get their wisdom out there. Yes. And then there is my favorite issue of the year, April. Ooh, the spoof issue. <laughs> our topic idea for this one is really fun. Any books, magazines, or newspapers from Harry Potter are fair game for a spoof article. The Quibbler would be an obvious candidate. But think of all the other stuff. Witch Weekly, Hogwarts A History, Tales of Beetle the Bard, textbooks galore on potions, herbology, divination. Ooh, and think of all the books by Lockhart. Break with a Banshee, Gadding with Ghouls, Gildor Lockhart's Guide to Household Pests, Holiday with Hags, Magical Me, his mm -hmm. autobiography, Travel with Trolls, Voyages with Vampires, Wandering with Werewolves. Ow! Year with the Yeti. <laughs> you can't possibly have all of those books memorized, Darren. Well, Laura, um, I kind of fancy him. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, there is a lot to choose from, so start working on your spoof essays now. That is by far our best issue. Indeed. So we hope to get many, many submittals sent to scribulous at theleakycauldron.org, and we will be reviewing them with that Slytherin eye that Laura mentioned and contacting you. But don't worry, we'll make sure the people who contact you are much more like Gryffindor or Hufflepuff than Slytherin. Anyway, you know. until next week. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Which banned book are you guys going to read this week? Actually, John, if you read the, his Dark Materials books, those have been banned in places. Those are... Those are hotly contested books. What are they about, anyway? They're, they're, it is basically the largest fight you can possibly imagine. It's heaven and earth and parallel worlds versus God and the devil. It's, it's the, it is the biggest... <laughs> it, the, the actual battle within it is bigger than Harry Potter. So they don't even bother to, like, set up... Like characters like God and the Devil, like no, Harry you don't and see the Devil, but you do see God. For real? Yeah, yeah. for real. And angels and the so church ever... and you're in this world where where people carry their souls on the outsides of their bodies. Is it played by Alanis Morissette? No, John, <sighs> not played by Alanis Morissette nor Alan Rickman. Though I wouldn't mind a little Alan, Alan Rickman in the movie. <laughs> That'd be great. LOL. No, they carry their souls on the outside of their bodies, and until you're until you're you've reached maturity, it changes shape to, to match your mood, and then it sort of settles. It's called a demon, and it, it settles on a shape that, oh, that represents it for you. Me. It's it's a, it's like a Patronus, not really though. That's creepy. Maybe I'll read it this week. No, it's awesome. Oh boy. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our new canon segment. Uh, just to remind everybody. This is not replacing canon conundrums. This will be in addition to canon conundrums. Right. This one ran a little long this week because we're just kind of getting used to how to do it and everything. But uh, we will pack um, both segments into each and every show when it is possible to do the recording for each and every segment. 
and we shouldn't push the show any longer than normal either so you should be able to fit it all into your cds if any of you are still doing that and haven't joined the ipod revolution yeah if you, again if, if you want to be a uh, guest host like frack was this week or you want to submit a fan thought like you heard prior to the bit by bit segment you can do all of that stuff first by contacting us through pottercast.com and you can email us at staff at pottercast.com like that or uh, you can uh, leave us voicemails as the, the, the usual ways from uh, the Skype name podcast and all of our phone numbers that you can find on podcast.com too which you'll probably hear again once we repeat them to you as the show ends today cool okay what you doing this week Sue what, what book am I doing this week I'm actually my son is learning about um I'm reading him or introducing him to Huckleberry Finn, so and that's one of those challenges. So I thought, hey, nice. that would be a good one. So I'm gonna hang out with Huck, and I'm not gonna do the can can this week. Although, come on, we can we just say this one more time? That was so hysterical. But the reason we thought it was funny is because Slughorn, Jim Brombent is in Moulin Rouge, and everyone's like, oh, you yes. guys took that. No, that we know the Harry Potter parodies of Moulin Rouge have been around for years and years, but. Just wait, what? Oh, wait, you, what? Harry? Yes. That's the first time hearing oh, this. Oh, no, I got a whole bunch of things. Oh, you guys are ripping off the... I'm like, no, dudes. We, we know. Oh, for the love of God. If I hear one more nonsense rip-off claim, I'm going to kick somebody. I know. And I'm like, <laughs> hello. You guys think funny. I'm this all-knowing person here. No, but, Sue, what's this Mulan Rouge? What? Oh, there's 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 a whole slew of parodies on YouTube of uh, Harry Potter and the Mulan Rouge tale about how, you know, Hermione and Harry and Ginny are the... Um, requited love and the whole thing and this came out years ago and I got all these things oh you guys took that can can from they've them. done that for like every movie <laughs> and and somebody thought that that, yes. <laughs> that using the slughorn clip because it's a funny clip of this actor playing slughorn uh-huh. was doing the same thing as that yes and I'm like oh man I'm like, I'm I just, know, I just for this have stuff. to say something on our, this is just ridiculous no no, guys. It's no. just funny. Though I do want to go watch those videos now. Oh, but they're good. Right now, you they're good. But, I mean, just the image of Slughorn dancing, I thought was doing the can-can, was kind of amusing to me. I don't know. There it is. Harry Potter and the Tale of the Moulin Rouge. Ooh, I'm going to go watch this it's, now. It's good. It's, but you can still can-can-can. <laughs> Woohoo! I like that. But, okay. okay. All right. Let's can-can our butts out oh, of here, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm canning out of here. Are we canning canning or are we going to twiddle? twiddling dials too oh yeah guys that's right awesome ears those of you who heard the password last week we made it extra special protected so if you heard it last week you are a wizard and very quietly somewhere in the middle of uh scrippy five but look you're you're listening this week so clearly you got it on that note keep twiddling those dials the next password will be slughorn keep each other safe keep faith good night we've missed it dobby is free i confess myself Disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs> this week's Pottercast was produced by the Pottercast Trio and Steve Bonnet. The show was edited by Steed, Hildy, Samantha, and Liz. Thanks to Steve Vanderark for joining us for Canon Conclusions. Thanks to our Scooby 5 team, Aaron and Nina, and thanks, as always, to our awesome transcription elves for transcribing this and all our other episodes on Pottercast.com. For more information about the show and how to contact us and be a part of future episodes, visit Pottercast.com.